and I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okie dokies. So today we are talking about leverage, as always, specifically episode 5 of season 3 called The Double Blind Job. Beth, what did you think? Okay, I have a fucking question. Yeah. Why does the first, like, two to three minutes of this show... Why is it always magnitudes worse than the rest of the episode? I don't know what it is, but almost exclusively, the worst part of every Leverage episode, almost exclusively, is always the first three minutes of the cold open. Every single time. Like, the editing is worse, the direction is worse, the dialogue is stilted. Every time. How do they do this? This week we had the lovely, like, sort of weird effect on the... Slow motion blurred. The music choice was ridiculous. I was like, what is... Always. But the rest of the episode, no issues. It's just for some reason the cold opens are always bizarrely bad. And, like... I, I, this isn't really, like, a criticism. I'm just confused. Like, it's so consistent. Like, it's such a... It's a weird pattern to, <laughs> to have observed. Because, like, the rest of the episode is good. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. But for some reason, the first two fucking minutes, it's always kind of bad. It's It, it baffles me, truly. Mm-hmm. It really does. Anyway, that is not the main focus of... This week's episode. No, the main focus has to be the five minutes at the end. Yes. In which, okay, we don't like bringing up Supernatural too much on the Leverage podcast, but it sort of happens. Speak for yourself, Jamie. <laughs> it's, 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 an, it's inevitable. Leverage comes up on the Supernatural podcast. Supernatural comes up on the Leverage podcast. Yes. Is what it is. I wanted to point out, because I'm sure you noticed these, and I feel like we need to at least mention them, the... Jealous Parker reaction shots. Yes. And the way they feel ripped straight out of the director's handbook for filming Cass. Yes. Whenever deals with someone else. Yes. Like specifically for anyone who's familiar with Supernatural in episodes 4, 9, and 410, when Cass is perceiving Dean and Anna interacting, that specific vibe yeah. of perspective reaction yeah. shots. <laughs> Except for in this episode, we do get canonical confirmation mm-hmm. would you leverage to... seasons ahead of supernatural yeah. in that respect <laughs> yeah so do, did you have somewhere you would like to start on that scene because i know where i want to start but like okay here's the thing i don't want to focus just on that scene mm-hmm. that scene is obviously the penultimate you know mm-hmm. moment that the episode builds to but i want to talk about the episode as a whole and the way that they lead up to this scene because uh-huh. i think it is peak like, I love... Here's the thing. Parker and Hardison have been, like, a relatively well-developed, like, romantic pairing, like, from season one. Like, you can see yes. the bones of it, and then it gets fleshed out a little, and, like, obviously that they they don't want to go lean too hard into it straight away because, like, it wastes sort of a lot of potential for a build and complications and episodes like this where there's, like, jealousy and stuff because they haven't defined anything or really talked about it. And anyway... But also it's key to point out that, yes, there is jealousy on Parker's behalf in this entire episode, Mm -hmm. but no one's actually doing anything wrong. No. Like, it's not like, you know, Hardison's not doing anything that could even come close to cheating on her or anything like that. No, he can't, because they are not in a relationship. No. This is the thing. And also, Parker's not doing anything wrong in that she's not trying to take it out. She just doesn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing about this. I adore that because up until this point it's been obvious to the audience 
that there is something between Parker and Hardison. It has been obvious to Hardison that there is something between them. Parker has seemed primarily kind of oblivious. You know, like the whole thing with like the kissing and like, you know, their conversations regarding that sort of scenario and she's kind of like blows it off or whatever. And I think that this episode and the way that they decided to frame Parker realising the depths of her emotion and potentially like the unfamiliar types of emotions that she is experiencing towards Hardison, I think that this is the best possible way for her character that they could have had her realise it. Because yeah, it takes it takes her experiencing that jealousy and realising that she has... Because if it had been Elliot, she wouldn't have cared. If anything, she would have just been like making fun of him or whatever. Yeah. But because it was Hardison, she was like specifically pressed about it mm-hmm. the whole episode. And I, I really like that that is the way that they had her come to the realisation that she cares a lot more than maybe she realised she did. And you also get Sophie being like, this is what it is. She's like, be jealous? No. It's yeah. just cheap glass. And that's why I've shattered an entire fucking bottle. Literally when Hardison comes over at the very end of the episode and Sophie goes, huh, I'm tired. See you later. And I gets up and leaves. I was like, wow, Sophie, that was fucking smooth as hell. So subtle. Um, I love you. You're such a professional. <laughs> it was iconic. No, I love, yeah, I love that we have many instances across the episode. Like Parker is against, is it Ashley? Yeah. Parker does not like Ashley from the get-go. And you can almost see it. Like, she doesn't quite understand why she doesn't like her. She just knows that she doesn't. And, like... And that's where you get the line, like, she seems like a murderer or a terrorist. Yeah. Because she she kind of looks like a terrorist. (laughs) She she can't put her finger on what it is about Ashley that is, like, throwing up her suspicions, is throwing up her sort of, like, self-defense mechanisms. Yeah. But she knows it's something. She's on guard. She just can't identify why. And it's because she feels like she's being threatened. Mm -hmm. Like, and she just doesn't quite understand how that correlates. She's like, well, it has to be this woman's fault because she has arrived and suddenly I feel threatened or attacked. This this woman must be a bad guy, nebulous in some way. Yeah. Must be, like... Trying to ill intent or yeah, because that's why I'm feeling suspicious and on guard about her. Mm-hmm. Not I'm suspicious and on guard about this woman because she seems to be vying for Hardison's attention when it's previously primarily been focused on me. Yeah, exactly. And I think she has never been in a situation where she's had to compete for Hardison's attention in that kind of way. Yeah, and so I think that that is why she's like, this is an unfamiliar emotion. What am I feeling right now? I'm confused. And also, I don't think Parker really feels jealous of much like she's basically the best in her craft and if she comes across someone who is better than her she is more inclined to find it to be like in awe or respect them i don't think like jealousy not in like a she might be jealous of like oh my god you got to like work with this particular alarm system like that that kind of jealous but not like a oh i am mad at you for performing this thing kind of jealous yeah Literally half of my notes are along the lines of, oh, Parker is not impressed. Obsessed with Parker's behavior right now. She does not like the way that Ashley's holding on to Hardison. Like, I'm literally half of my notes are just talking the about Parker's reaction. The moment where Ashley calls Hardison Alec? Yes, that threw me for a fucking loop. I was like, who? Oh. Like, I, and also, he gave her his real name. hmm What? Like, another reason why Parker's like, yeah, I, that freaked me out. And I know that they're fictional. 
Like, <laughs> it really did confuse me. That I was like, who the fuck is Alec? Like, to the point where for a second I was like, oh, did he give her a fake name? And then I was like, wait, no, we just never hear anyone call him Alec. He's Hardison. Like, yeah, exactly. And it feels, it feels very personal that she could use his first name. Which is pro- actually probably hilarious because it's actually more personal to use his last name. Because, like, there are so many people in the world called Alec. Yeah. And, like, in a professional capacity, he does not go by Alec. Mm. So it's actually probably safer for Ashley to just have his first name, name Alec because it's harder to work out who he is based on that. It's, like, a certain level of trust and it's a certain yeah. level, like, and obviously the crew didn't really get an option because of the way they all first met. Mm-hmm. But the fact that all of the crew call him by a name that is more easily like, trackable to him and what yeah. he does and what crimes he's committed uh-huh. yeah. versus his first name. But because it is his first name, it does feel more familiar. It feels more personal. And it's so, God, it's so interesting. And it's such a fun, like, I think that the thing that is really appealing about Parker and Hardison is that it feels organic. Like, it doesn't feel like it's been forced at any point, or at least for me personally. I've always felt like it is sort of arisen in a very natural way. It doesn't feel like the writers are trying to force them together. If anything, it feels like the writers are trying to keep them apart. Very Destiel coded, I might add. But, you know, like, it's, like, this episode, like, we haven't had much, like, Parker Hardison-specific content recently, or at least nothing heavy-handed. And also, like, neither of them have ever really properly address what's happening or they haven't even really spoken to outside members of the team about it it's just kind of there and so when you have episodes like this that draw specific attention to it it doesn't feel out of the blue you're like yeah this makes sense like i this is really understand running under all the other episodes yeah this one is just getting highlighted because ashley's there yeah and of course like the reason that Ashley sort of latches onto Hardison mm-hmm. is because it's, she literally runs into Hardison. She literally, in the first scene where they're introduced, latches onto Hardison, like, mm-hmm. you know, and he, like, sort of swoops in and saves the yeah. day by calling out the fake FBI guys on the badges and, like, whatnot. One thing that I did love, though, is there's a scene where Sophie and Nate are talking, and I think it's when they're trying to decide which con they're going to run. Yeah. And... They talk about how Hardison is with Ashley doing something like comforting her or helping yeah. her with something. And apparently Parker is there also, quote unquote, helping. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Parker is motherfucking chaperoning. <laughs> Parker is there <laughs> to make sure nothing untoward is happening. And you can fight me on that. I will take that to my grave. There is no way. I would argue that is not true. Really? I would argue Parker is there because she's suspicious of Ashley. Exactly. She's chaperoning. Yeah, but you the way you said it, she's not chaperoning. She's security. I mean, I guess. She does not want... Like, I, she's still, like, she still hasn't suspicious. ID'd the emotion as jealousy yet. So oh, she's yeah. still thinking that There's Ashley is nefarious, that Ashley is a threat. I think that it works either way. Mm. For what, it, however you want to read it, Parker is not there to help. Parker no. is there because she does not like Hardison and Ashley being left alone together. Hilariously, in a very similar way, but not, it's more intense, but in a similar way to Hardison not wanting Parker and McSweeten alone together. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, by the way, what I want more than anything, right? Mm. Because obviously Parker and Hardison is going to be, like, I'm assuming they're going to be the end game. Yeah. Like, I would be shocked if at this point they turned around and were like, actually, no, kind of thing. But what I would love is I would love Ashley and McSweeten to meet 
and like and for them to get together because I just think that would be so first of all like it would make me feel good because I like Ashley and I like Mick Sweeten and I think that they deserve happiness and I just think it would be so funny if they found happiness with each other because they couldn't like it didn't work out with their respective yeah. like prospects of Parker and Hardison. I just think that would be iconic. And also they're both just so sweet and I think that they would work well together. And like Ashley obviously has this like sense of like justice and she wants to like help these other families that have been impacted and McSweeten is working with like um is he FBI? Yeah. So like, you know, they could they could as a as a power couple, they could really do some some force for good. I just think I just think that they would be it. And kind of like Adam and Maria, I think that Nick Sweeten and Ashley are just going to be one of my Blobo couples that yeah. I'm like, I hope they show up and I hope they are happy. I'm assuming we'll get more Mick Sweeten. I doubt we'll get more Ashley, but in my mind, Ashley and Mick Sweeten are endgame. As of this point, there's nothing to stop Ashley from reappearing. That's true. I just and think so, it would be so fun. Whether they reappear in the main run or, like, theoretically, they're even possibly able to reappear in the reboot. Mm. which they're currently making, which they haven't – they have, like, pulled back reoccurring characters for the reboot. Yeah. Like, so it's not – like, they have – It's not pulled, out of the realm of possibility. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They have had other characters from the original series who return. are just reoccurring characters in the original series return. Oh, one other very, very, very quick note on Ashley. Were Ashley and her dead sister twins? Because they literally look, this, like, so similar. I don't know if it was just I don't think they're twins. They're, like – in terms of height, there is a good chunk between them, and they don't, they look like sisters, but they don't look like twins. Today. Okay, I don't know if it was just because of the weird, hazy slow mo effect yeah. they used, but I was like, was, are they played by the same actress? Like, I don't think they're played by the same actress. Okay, maybe it was just the weird, hazy yeah. effect and the fact that I was watching it at six o'clock in the morning. Maybe. Maybe it was that. But yeah, okay. I just want to say something that you are not going to understand because you have not met this character yet. So you will. That's fine. And what I'm about to say about him is not going to spoil okay. any. But. Ashley says that a lawyer in a nice suit sat down at the table and offered her a check for her sister's life. I would like to submit to the Leverage fandom for consideration. The lawyer was Harry Wilson. You don't know who that is. You will not recognize that name. You will learn who he is soon enough. Mm-hmm. But, like, Harry Wilson, he's a lawyer that we meet later on. and you. Will... I, I assumed that much yeah. from the way you said a lawyer. <laughs> but that's okay. Literally the first time you meet him... You know he's a lawyer. Yeah, it's not a spoiler. I swear, but no, that yeah, that was very Harry Wilson coded. And I'm like, oh, that would be a fun little connection. Yeah. But anyway, while we're talking about characters and uh-huh. dating and romantic interests, mm. uh, we will get back to Parker Hardison because there is still more to be said about. Oh that. God, yes, we haven't even talked about pretzels. Pretzels, yeah. Um, we will get back there, but I did just want to say that I find it fucking hilarious. That the FDA rep dumps Elliot because he's not exciting enough. Oh and she doesn't want to date someone who God. sits behind a desk all day. She wants someone who's dangerous and travels and has adventures. I genuinely, the funniest thing, I was like, God, I hope that she sees him in action. Like, I, I was like, I really hope there's a scene where, like, 
he's just taken out a room full of security and then she like walks in and just sees him standing there like covered in like what was it that um at the very start of the episode oh my god actually Elliot had to change his shirt he had some coffee and and blood blood and and teeth on on it it. yeah um very quickly I do want to point out that the fake coffee spilled on shirt that they had him wearing was so funny like the pattern of the spilled coffee was such a perfect like yeah not rectangle what am I saying um like elongated oval shape yeah and it was like the pattern was so specific and like where it was lighter versus darker I was like that is hilarious I hope whoever made that in the props slash costume department had fun mm. it was just very entertaining to me but yeah the fact like I would have loved for her to like walk in and see him in action and then be him be like dangerous enough for you like and then <laughs> like I just think that that would be so fun obviously we don't have that happening but I do find it very funny that he basically has to fake take this woman this entire episode. And the entire time she he's like, she's like boring. Like we walked the freedom trail twice. Yeah. And Hardison's like nice. And he's like, no, like the literal freedom trail. Like Yeah. I here's the thing about that. I am kind of like, Elliot really out here being mad about spending a day walking around a park and watching ducks. First of all, unrelatable. Second of all, he's always fucking carrying on like a pork chop about the way that no one would want his job because he has to beat people up and he has to like get beat up. I'm like, bro, enjoy your day off. Like for fuck's sake, you can't win. Either you're pissed that you spend your whole day beating people up and getting beat up in return. Or you're pissed because you're quote-unquote bored having a lovely day at the park. Like, fuck off. Just, you know, enjoy it. You're right. This It's a lovely day in a beautiful city. Explore. Jesus. Also, um, is it... Oh, God, what is the name of that lady? Um, Jennifer. Mm. She is very unrelatable pure, purely because... She lets a strange man that she has met, like, literally maybe an hour and a half ago at an absolute stretched maximum, convince her not to get on her flight and to spend a whole nother day in this random, like, I could not be me. <laughs> I'd be like, um, sorry, no, I literally have to be on a flight. I don't know what you expect me to do about that. Like, I am not going to uproot my entire schedule just for you. How special do you think you are? I'd be like, no, that's like a massive inconvenience. I can't believe you would even deign to ask that of me. Like, you come on my flight if you want to hang out with me so bad. You change your schedule. <laughs> Maybe that means I'm a bad person. I don't know. I just could not be me. Oh, while we are talking about Elliot, mm-hmm. he gets told to be subtle, get breaking into the apartment, and he immediately breaks down the door. Yeah, obsessed with that take. Also, in that scene, he is sporting my personal favourite hairdo. Yeah. The half-up, half-up, half-down. Half down. Yeah, that's um, my go-to. It and looks like he's had a blowout. Like I love that for him. <laughs> oh, speaking of when he breaks into the mm-hmm. case, into the case, into the room. Yeah. Is this the first time we've had a murder, like an outright murder on leverage, or am I forgetting one? Like, because this is like a professional hit. I feel like we've had murders before, but they've all been in the form of um, corporate negligence. Yeah. Like, this was an actual intentional, like, people were hired to kill him, and he was killed. Because we've had attempted murder before. Yeah, last week we had attempted murder. Week before we also had attempted murder. Um, Week before that we also had attempted murder. Week before that, we did technically have a murder, but it is off screen. Mm, okay. Because yeah. it's the um the prisoner who they murder yeah. and then frame Billy for. I just feel like we haven't seen a dead body on Leverage before. And then before the episode before that, attempted murder, attempted murder, 
Wow, there's a lot more attempted murder in this show than I realised. The one before that you can kind of count as attempted murder if you count Nate almost running over the mark. Oh, yeah. Look, I don't think that... If anything, that's manslaughter. Mm. <laughs> uh, attempted murder. I'm just going through the names, like, attempted murder. Yeah, so we're, we've got a lot of attempted murder. But very few actual very successful few actual murders. Do you know what, though? When uh, Ashley got the, like, note from the doctor mm. and, it, like, I had the list of names, I was immediately like, oh, I bet all of those people are dead. Yeah. I was like, I bet this is a list of other people who have also died who are also in the trial. And then I was, like, immediately proven correct, like, five minutes later. And yeah. I felt very validated in that <laughs> very predictable outcome. I, for some reason, was just like, we don't get a lot of murder in Leverage. Apparently, we do. I just don't remember it. It's all attempted. Like, literally all of... Because my thing was, like, I don't think we've seen a dead body. No. Before. I did appreciate that, like, they had him in rigor mortis. Because that's Mm. not something you see very often, or at least in the media I've watched. It's very rare that you see the body is in rigor mortis. Wild times on the Leverage podcast, realising just how much attempted murder there is in Leverage. (laughs) New question at the end of the episode is, do you think next week's case will include an attempted murder? Um, Statistically, yes. Okay, lovely. Let's go back to my girl Parker. Mm -hmm. Uh, And specifically the line, I've got great drugs, do you want some? Oh my god, obsessed with that entire scene. But also, like, she said to that woman, like, oh no, I needed to go to the bathroom. And that lady was like, no you don't. I was like, bitch... How the fuck would you know? Let her go to the bathroom. Let her pee. Like, so I kind of like, I feel like that's like, honestly, on that lady's head that Parker was like, not doing great in that scenario. Like, I don't even blame Parker for not being great at like, acting because like, she specifically was like, no, no, I needed to pee. Um, even the fact that I know that that was just her making Mm. an excuse, like, doesn't matter. Like, if someone says they got to pee, just fucking believe them. Like, why wouldn't you? Anywho, weird tangent. I also wanted to mention that in that scene, the fact that the thing that the woman running that session highlights about Laurie is only her beauty pageant background and not her university education that they specifically tailored to be impressive for this job role. I was like, ill. But also the Elle Woods of it all. Mm. Like the fact that everyone looks at her as like a stereotypically like in terms of like typical Western beauty standards, like she yeah. meets all the criteria and then to disregard her actual qualifications and experience in favor of highlighting that it's like for fuck's sake bro like just tell me that you don't respect women as more than beauty objects you know i would also like to point out though that for this role hardison edits a photo that she took to be like the you know the affair partner or whatever back in what's it called yeah and so they edit that photo onto a cheerleader's body, which says to me that if he, they had told Parker that she was going to pretend to be a cheerleader, Parker would have said no. Like, <laughs> yeah, Parker is not impressed by this. She is like, Parker hates everything to do with anything that could possibly be related back to Ashley. And like the whole thing about the beauty pageant being Ashley's idea. I think the fact that they then brought it up in the like, meeting that she ended up in was just like extra salt in the wound like that's what she was being praised for was the thing that Ashley decided I was like oh man that's gonna rub her the wrong way also uh, just a quick aside like did you also feel like it was weird for Ashley to be working alongside them the entire episode like I understand why they had her there for the point of Parker and Hardison but like have we ever I feel like we haven't really had an episode except maybe Tara's introduction where you could say that and that doesn't really count 
But when because you say that Tara someone specifically made sure that she wasn't in, made sure she was involved. Yeah. So, like, have we ever had anyone who wasn't in the crew specifically running the con alongside them outside of Tara? So we have had instances where they'll be like involved in the con. Yeah, to an extent. To but an like extent. she was there for like every step of the yeah. way. From the interview at the very start with Hardison all the way through to like she was there with Hardison when they were supposed to be giving Parker the codes, which oh my god, the fact that they did not have that locked and loaded and ready to go. It's what like, the fuck? They knew it, so they just didn't think of writing it down. They were like, Oh, we have the code, like it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just didn't think beyond that. Mm-hmm. Also, Parker being like, too many voices, too many voices. Oh, my God. I relate so hard to that. Like, you know when you're at work or on the phone or something and, like, you're trying to have a conversation but, like, there's someone else around you also having a conversation or, like, multiple people and, like, all you're trying to listen to the conversation that you're actually actively involved in but you can't hear it because of the things around you are too much and you're like, I can't, I can't tune that out but I also can't take in what I'm supposed to be taking in, like, I don't know, sometimes I have to physically turn down, like, the radio or something because I'm like, it's too loud and I just can't. Like, there's too many loud things happening. I really, really felt that <laughs> for Parker when she's, like, she's just trying to get this fucking code and they're both talking at the same time and overlapping and I would just lose my mind. Valid. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think we've seen – maybe it's because she knows so much about sort of, like, she's done all the research and that, so it's just easier to sort of have her there for the information and that way they can also make sure that she's – not getting attempted murdered again. Mm, mm-hmm. Oh, I did have a question for you. Yeah. So when Nate is waiting around to speak to the Mark, like at the drug, like, I don't really know what you like press conference thing yeah. that they're doing. The launch. Yeah, that's the word. He's like at the like bar or whatever, and he's kind of waiting there. And then this dude comes up behind him with a pen. And I want to know. What the fuck is that dude doing with a pen? What the fuck was he going to do with that pen? Because he's like, hey, my pen. And it's like, okay, great. It's a pen. But like, like what were you going to do with it? But like, why were you coming in that angle with I, a pen? Here's the thing. I literally paused the episode so I could look and be like, what could he possibly be? The only like thing that you could plausibly say he was going to do would be to write something on a stack of napkins that was like to the right of Nate. But like. What could he possibly... No one is with him. It's not like he's giving someone a contact detail or, like... Like, what is he... What is he going to do with that the pen? The issue is not that he has the pen. It's the fact that he's, like... It looks like he's, he's about to stab, stab someone in the neck with it. Like, like, I would also... if It's if, not like he's just walking up to the bar with a pen to, like, write something down or something. Like, yeah. He's, or, like, like, it's, like, above his head. It's right? Like, or, like, signing, like, if Nate had had, like, a petition next to him or something, like, to sign. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, he's just being overzealous with the pen. But, like, like a bit more flourish or whatever. But I'm like, no. It literally looks like you were going to stab Nate. And then also you just walked off. Like, if you had then taken your arm back from Nate, Nate had apologized, and then you kind of side-eyed him and signed something on the bar next to him and then walked away, I'd be like, okay, they gave him a purpose to go over there with his pen out. But, like, they did not do that. He just walks off going, you nearly broke my pen. And I was like, fucking fair, honestly. You almost fucking stabbed him. Yeah, if I was Nate, I would also be like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, Jesus. And I, normally leverage is really good, like really, really good at like everything having a purpose or whatever. But this, I was like, what, what was that man going to (laughs) do? And like, here's the thing. If they just had a dude with a pen or whatever, and like Nate had been overly jumpy or whatever, that would make sense. Yeah. But this dude looks like he's about to stab Nate with the pen. Uh Uh-huh. Like, 
Nate is not being overzealous or like too twitchy here. No. Like he's this is not having, Nate being paranoid. He's having the exact appropriate reaction, which you can't say of Nate very often. No, and especially in this episode, mm. we need to talk about Nate Nate's morality in this episode. Oh, yes. And he's drinking and a whole bunch of Nate things. is drinking again. It's starting to get worse. Like mm-hmm. he was pretty mild the first couple of episodes of the season. We're starting to see that slippery slope accelerating. Yes. And he pushes Parker too far in the office, like mm-hmm. he says. And, like, okay, yeah, he knows that she's capable of, like, getting it done and getting out of there. This isn't, but, this isn't like, oh, God, what was the name of the episode where we met Charlie? Charlie, is that his name? Oh, uh, the Order 23 job with Charlie, the fake FBI. No, 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 we literally just met him. Her, like, father figure. <gasps> oh, Archie. Archie, thank you. 303. Yes, I forget. What's the name of the episode called? Uh, the Inside Job. The Inside Job, thank you. It's not like the Inside Job where... Archie is arguing, like, Parker, you need to get out. And Parker's like, no, I need to stay. And then Nate backs her up. And it's like, I believe that you can do this. This is Nate being like, no, you have to stay. Like, Parker doesn't actually get much of an argument. It's basically Hardison's telling her to get out. Nate is telling her to stay. And she ultimately listens to Nate. But she doesn't actually voice her opinion on it. So I would... I would argue, though, that if Parker thought she was going to get caught, she would have left. So, like, do I think that... Nate was pushing her right up to the line. Yes. Yes. But do I think that if he tried to push her over the line, she would get out? Also, yes. Like, Mm -hmm. I think what you've got to remember is that Parker has very good self-preservation instincts. That's true. And also that Nate does care for Parker. And so he is assessing the situation to make sure, like, he does genuinely believe that she can do it. Mm -hmm. Like, he is not... Pushing her for no reason. But he is pushing her to the absolute max. Which is what Sophie's nervous about. Yeah. And actually, I've got a note about this. I, I've got a couple, actually. But specifically, I... Okay, I have a particular pet peeve. And this is just a pet peeve from me personally. And I was wondering if they were going to do it. They didn't. Mm-hmm. But I actually think that this would have been an appropriate place to put it. Because I often find that I, I find it a little bit too cliche and like, yeah, okay, kind of thing. It comes up a lot in like procedural cop shows. But this concept of, like, you're too close to this, and it's always that phrase. It's always, like, you know, it's kind of, like, sums up the entirety of Nate in season one. Yeah. Like, he's he's too close because of, like, the death of Sam and, like, taking down, especially in, like, the finale of season one. You know, it's like, you're emo- your judgment is clouded, you're too emotional because you're too heavily emotionally invested yeah. in this particular, like, narrative. Yeah. I think that that is the case here. Like, I think that he is too emotionally invested in what he needs to be objective about. Because Sophie is right. It's because it's a medical fraud, essentially. And Sophie has the great point of, you are a thief now. That means I get to call you the fuck out. Mm. Like, you don't get to be up on your high horse anymore. Yeah, you don't get to claim upper morality. Like You are one of us, which mm -hmm. means that when I think you are pushing the team too far, Mm -hmm. I get to call you out. Yeah. Although I will say, Sophie, like, he makes the point of, like, okay, well, what do you do if I don't listen to you? And she says, well, I'll walk away. And I'm like, yes, Sophie, you tell him that. Also, yes, you absolutely should because you deserve the world. But I... Here's the thing. It's an empty threat. Sophie's never going to walk away. That. Because it'll put the team at risk. But also, she then says, like, I'm the only one who actually likes you. And honestly, I don't think that's true. I think that's that's just a stab. Yeah. Like... I was, usually Sophie will use the truth to her advantage. Yeah. Like, she will say things that are true in a Sophie way that she knows will benefit her. a little her, bit like a, a demon and supernatural. 
Mm. Mm-hmm. She'll use weaponize the truth. She'll weaponize the truth, but also she'll like she'll use what somebody's perspective is to rub salt in the wound. Yeah, which is I think what she's doing here. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. But so I think this is yeah. It's I don't think it's the truth that nobody else in the crew likes him. I think that's like Sophie is threatening more the concept of like if I walk away. There is no guarantee that any of the rest of the crew would stay through a second time of me walking away. Yeah, that's Especially true. if it was in a negative circumstance. Yeah, because so. the first time she walked out, it was more of a, like, a personal I need to kind of find myself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This would be like a no, me and Nate have had a falling out and I'm leaving. And let's be real, Sophie would keep the children in the divorce. Yes. So it's not the truth, but it's also not not the truth. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's more meant to highlight, like, if it come down to you or me, the children would follow mm-hmm. me. Because also, we have established at this point that the crew can run without Nate. Yeah. Because it did while he was in jail. True. But also, I suppose they could run without Sophie. Like, only if they had a replacement for Sophie, though. Exactly. Like, only if they had Tara or another... They can run without Nate, but if they're going to try and run without Sophie, they need a replacement. Mm, Yeah. Like, they they can't fill Sophie's void. Like, they'd have to fill Sophie's void. They couldn't leave the void there. Nate would be replaceable in the sense that they didn't actually need to replace him. Sophie is irreplaceable in the sense that they would have to replace her. Oh, while we're on Sophie, actually, I... The, like, tension that she's creating between herself and the Mark, whose name I don't fucking remember, but... Hoffman. Is, yeah, is so palpable, but I literally only believe that it would work because it is so heavily established in both of our podcasts that men are stupid and horny. Yeah. That is the only fucking way I believe it for a second. Because she just walks in and is immediately, like, flirting with him so aggressively. And I'm like, this would only work on a man. Yeah, because men are stupid and horny. They don't don't see a woman relentlessly flirting with them and think, hmm, I wonder why this woman is flirting with me relentlessly. Yeah. They see a woman flirting with them relentlessly. And And they're like, obviously, I am incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, I do have... Like, if a woman had a dude hit on her, like... You're like, why? (laughs) Like, what what the fuck do you want that you're hitting on me so aggressively? Yeah, exactly. Also, I think it's very funny. I don't know if it's a character choice. And if it is, it would be weird. Or just the actor. But the guy playing Hoffman cannot hold a martini glass. He, like, fucking caresses it and tries, like, three different holds before eventually picking it up in what is the... Most awkward <laughs> choice. Like, I, I think it actually might be a character choice. I think it's I mean, meant to show maybe? that he doesn't, like, he's trying to play this air of, like, sophistication and, like, he's the yeah. CEO and he's so powerful. But, like, he doesn't he's actually... He's really out of his depth. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't actually know what the fuck he's doing. No. But, like, it was the most awkward grip on that martini glass that I have ever seen in my fucking life. And I was like, bro, just... Just pretend you're not thirsty, honestly, at this point. <laughs> or ask for a straw. Um, That scene, though, was infuriating. Like, listening to him talk about the profit margins made me really angry. Leverage is very good at making me mad. People will die, but that's years from now. And between now and then, we're going to make billions of dollars and then only have to pay millions in fines. That's like 14% of the profit margin. Yeah. That's like tipping your waiter. Thank you very much for taking our drugs and dying. Here's something for your family. Yeah. I, that made me so fucked up. Like, 
it it's very much like that scene from Shrek with Lord Farquaad where he's like, some of you may die, but it's a sacrifice that I am willing to make. And it's like, get fucked. Like, that's not how it works. It's, it's, I just, ha- my note is literally just like, oh, this is infuriating with infuriating in all caps. Because it is, like, it's, it's disgusting. And it's just, I think the most annoying part about it is, like, shows like Supernatural, whatever, you have the big bad villain and they're kind of, removed because yeah they're a supernatural entity like they're not you're not running into lucifer on the day-to-day basis no no but people like hoffman exist Mm -hmm. like and you said before like episodes of leverage are based in real things that have happened and oftentimes the leverage version is like condensed and also like low-key cleansed to make it more palatable like so that it's not actually as bad as it was in reality so that it's actually believable how bad it is like and this but this kind of villain actually exists in real life and that makes me so angry because it's like how can any actual human person who is not fictitious believe this and believe that this is justifiable like any one person's illness, let alone death, is too much of a price to pay for any monetary gain. Yeah. Like, how could you take that money and not feel horrifically guilty about it for eternity? Like, and it's not like a, oh, there's a point zero 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 one chance that yeah. maybe somebody with a pre-existing condition might have, an, might adverse have an adverse reaction that may lead to death. Yeah. Which is like one in... A hundred thousand people who take the drugs might have a bad reaction and yeah. die. I don't it's think like, someone who who I don't think that if someone made a drug and someone else had an anaphylactic reaction to it, I don't think the person who made the drug should feel guilty about that. No, because an anaphylactic reaction is not like. Do you know what I mean? It's like, weird. But the whole point of this is that people, even without pre-existing conditions, we're gonna die. Yeah. And this guy didn't give a single flying fuck. And I don't... Like, I find $2 on the fucking street and I'm like, does anyone know who this belongs to? Because I'm not going to take it. Because it could belong to someone. Like, you know, and the fact that this fucker could just sit there and be like, yes, I will not only willingly endanger the general public at large, but I will do it with a smile on my face and go to sleep at night happy in securing the fact that I am making billions of dollars off of other people's deaths. Like, what the actual flying fuck? And it really makes me wonder how the hell they're going to present this Moreau character as being the big bad of the season. Because I'm kind of like, how can you get much fucking worse? And, like, I'm genuinely concerned. Like, I am genuinely concerned about... Anyway, look, I could go on about this for a long time. I already have. I just, it winds me up. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sitting here securing my knowledge of exactly how Moro is worse. <gasps> oh, God, so he is worse. Fuck me. Do you know what it'll be? It'll be like, they will take all of the horrible, horrible things that piss me off already, and they'll just be like, he's guilty of all of them. And then I'll be like, well, yeah, I guess that is worse. <laughs> I guess what is worse than doing one of these heinous crimes is doing two of them. Is that fucking, <laughs> is that fucking mean? There's, there's only one thing worse than murder. A child. Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry. Sorry, I just realised very, very quickly, I have one more note about this dude. Go. That is specifically, the fact that he is literally a career executive, like, that just annoys me. Because I'm like, 
someone who doesn't fundamentally understand the product that is being produced, especially the in product, like a health the sector, industry, the regulations surrounding it, yeah, should, should not be in a position of power. No. Chance that'd be like if the fucking head of like any government, like if the head of the government health department just like was Scott Morrison and not someone with an actual <laughs> background in health, like it would be like if someone was like the head of like Pfizer, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be like if the head of Pfizer didn't have a background in health sciences, like what that would just be insane, you know? Like, oh, we do get the hilarious. And ever-present character trait of Parker, which is she cannot still badly. Oh, my She's God. meant to purposefully set off the alarm so she stands there still. She looked like she was in physical pain. Like, <laughs> she was like, I hate this. Like, every fibre of her being was against this concept. Strongly against this concept. She's like, I, I don't get caught. That's the... Like... Yeah. Yeah. This is, like, also... Literally last episode, didn't she... Like, it was also a motion sensor that went off, right? Yes. So that would be like rubbing salt in the wound. Like, last week she legitimately got caught out by a motion sensor, and now this week she has to deliberately set it off? Oof. That sucks. (laughs) Oh, what I did love, though, out of Parker was when Ashley, in such good intention, says good luck, and Parker's like... Do I look like I fucking need... Like, she took offense. Yeah. And as soon as Ashley said it, I was like, oh, babe, that was a mistake. Like, I see your good intentions. Parker does not, like... Consistent character trait. You do not wish Parker good luck. Yeah. Like, Parker doesn't seem to understand that it's just something to say of, like, going in with positive vibes, essentially. It'd be like telling someone to break their leg if they didn't understand... The, if they didn't understand the reference. <laughs> yeah, for Parker, for Parker, telling her good luck is insulting. Mm-hmm. It implies that she is not incredibly skilled. Yeah, it's implying like, that she needs luck to yeah. achieve the goal instead of just being able to do it because of her abilities. Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, like, it kind of is a little bit yeah. insulting. Like, I've never thought about it, I suppose, from that angle. But depending on what you're telling someone mm-hmm. good luck about, yeah, it, I, I guess it could be... Yeah. Like, Interpreted in sort of like a yeah negative connotation. I don't think unless you say it like sarcastically, yeah. generally people mean for it to be taken that way. But you absolutely could interpret it given the right context. Oh, I do want to talk about Nate for a hot sec. Absolutely. We, so my point is that Nate's a moron. Like he's he's on a fucking ego trip. I'm like we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. You mentioned that obviously he's drinking and he's like it's getting worse, it's getting more out of hand, and Sophie calls him out on it. But genuinely, like, the problem for me is that it is literally an ego trip. And if he pulls it off, because we want him to pull it off, because we don't want the team to be fucked, right? We want them to win. We want the bad guy to be taken down. We're on their side. The problem is every time Nate wins, it inflates his ego even fucking further. It's exactly the thing that Tara says in season two of he's the best I've ever – like, this team is the best I've ever seen – but you're nowhere near as good as you think you are. Yeah. And also what happens when he loses. Yeah, exactly. It really reminded me of that concept because I was like, yeah, Nate's drinking and he's on a fucking ego trip and it's going to go wrong. Like I can feel it in my fucking bones. Like it's going to get fucked up. And I think that I would be surprised if they didn't do a story arc where Nate becomes sober again. Because I think that... It just, for me, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
it makes sense that he would end up sober very intentionally and very sort of strictly um, because clearly, like, The moderation thing hasn't worked. Yeah, clearly he can't manage it very well, at least at this stage in his life. He's not able to drink on occasion or socially without it becoming a problem pretty quickly. So I'm going to assume that at some point they are going to reintroduce Nate sobering up. And I'm going to also go out on a limb and say that it will be a result of something going terribly wrong with a con, potentially one of the crew getting hurt or getting caught in a situation that could have been prevented. Like, that's gonna, that's my, like, Nate's gonna take a risk. I'm wondering if it maybe will be a risk with Parker, because this is gonna be, like I said today, like, Parker was one being pushed, and, like, with the episode with Archie, like, she was sort of, like, focus of that, so it does make me wonder if maybe it will be a Parker-related instance. That seems to be, like, if third time, like, would be a pattern, you know? Yeah. So that would be interesting. I also think that it would be particularly emotional like it would be a, it could be a tipping point because particularly Sophie has such like a mother daughter kind of relationship yeah. with Parker and she's very protective Hardison obviously has romantic yeah. like feelings towards Parker so that makes him more of a protective Elliot is just protective of the team full stop in general like he is the most protective so I think that it makes sense for it to be Parker that is maybe the one who is put in excess danger or is hurt or gets yeah. caught or however whatever and then for that to be the tipping point where they're like Nate if you don't fucking clean up your act we're all walking Because as Sophie says in this episode, we need, like, because he says, we need the files. And Sophie goes, we need Parker. Mm -hmm. Like, the files are no good if they don't have Parker. Yeah, exactly. And one other quick note on Nate. I know that I've had my, like, Nate and his dumb hats. Nate wasn't wearing a dumb hat either this episode. But he did have his I'm an annoying dimwit man voice that he always uses when he's running a con. Yeah. Which has never been so obvious to me because I've always been so focused on the hat. But in the lack of hat... I was like, wow, he always uses this same voice, doesn't he? And it's, it's just like... The, it's the weird accent, bad hat combo. Yeah, but just minus the hat. Yeah. And I think that is also because he's playing himself. Yeah. Like, he's playing a con artist. Yeah. And he is a con artist. So it's he doesn't need a hat because he's playing himself. point I wanted to make was that Sophie calls him out for going over the line, for pushing Parker too far, for sort of, like, disregarding the team's safety to further his ego trip. Yeah. And then his rebuffal for that is, but I put myself at the same risk. Like, like, I would never ask you guys to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but, like, it's not actually up to you to decide how much of a risk the others are willing to take. Yeah. Like, if it was you taking the risk, then that's fair. But you can't set the standard that you expect everyone else to uphold. And also, as Sophie says, that stunt you pulled defines out of control. Mm-hmm. Very, very quickly, a couple of points. One, Parker did look incredible when she went undercover. Yeah. Excellent outfit. Loved it. It was great. That color blue looks really good on her. Jennifer Pearson's hairdo, when it's like in the updo, yeah. is very cool. I also mm-hmm. thought it was interesting that after she broke up with Elliot, she put her hair back up. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, she's like, it's like the metaphor of like, she let her hair down and she relaxed. And then she was like, actually, no, I'm going to be a businesswoman again. Like, I was like, oh, damn, that's kind of interesting. The only other note I have is that Hoffman has this line where he like o- like uh, Jennifer opens the case and it has the vials in it and he's like no I opened that they were gone and something about the delivery like the dejected like nature and the like realization of how fucked he is just really made me giggle I was like I don't know it was just it, I liked it it was funny what a choice lovely 
Okay, perfect. Well, if you're ready to move on to pretzels. I am ready to move on to pretzels. I am ready to move on to pretzels. So I don't think it will come as a surprise when I say pretzels is not a once-off metaphor. No. We will get more instances of pretzels throughout the series, so keep an eye out. I'm so excited. Yes. How do you feel about pretzels? Jamie, when I watched the episode, I sent you an all-caps message that just said pretzels. You did, but unfortunately, (laughs) I'm not releasing my message history to the listeners of the podcast. So I I would like you to elaborate on your emotions. Here's the thing. I, I am so glad that they addressed this. I'm so glad that Parker found a kind of roundabout way to not, like, it felt very Parker. Like, it, this interaction felt in character, and I appreciated that because she doesn't like vulnerability and she's pretty confused and she doesn't quite know how, like, what she's feeling or how she's feeling. Like, so she's not going to know how to express it. And, like, I appreciate that, as always, when Parker is having a hard time with this kind of thing, Harvison is very patient about it and is very, like, it's okay. Like, when you're ready, they'll be there, you know. And he he's saying to her that he'll wait, like, essentially. And that, you know, she he, he understands, understands that she's not normal. She's not... He understands that she needs time. She doesn't have the same relationship to, like, romance and connections and bonds that most people do. Yeah. So he is like, I am here when you are ready. Yeah, exactly. And, like, here's the... I also love that she broke the bottle. Mm. And not only once, but twice. And I also love that Hardison walked over and seized the smashed bottle. I think that that's very fun. The other thing that I absolutely adore is Parker being like, I've got to tell you something. So Hardison sits next to her and looks kind of expectant. Yeah. And Parker is just like... And then Hardison's so like do you want to talk now? And she's like, yeah. oh, all right, then. It's like, yeah, like she needs that additional cue. Yeah, like she just didn't seem to realise that by saying, oh, hey, I need to talk to you. And him sitting there looking at her waiting. Yeah, it's. I think it is another like excellent example of like autistic coded Parker and just like needing... Those subtle like cues that most neurotypical people will pick up on, the nonverbal sort of... Physical, like, body language. Physical body language cues. She just does not understand. And also, on top of that, like, this is a very vulnerable moment for her. And she's also very confused. So it makes sense that even if, sort of, in any other circumstance, she might pick up on that kind of nonverbal cue. In this instance, it makes a lot of sense that she wouldn't. Like, she is distracted. She is caught up in her own thoughts right now. And, like, I just... I really liked this scene. I thought it was very sweet and genuine and heartfelt and I thought it was written well and I loved that. I just, I loved it. All of my notes are in all caps. None of them make much sense. <laughs> like, I literally, the last one, two, three, four, five, the last five notes of my notes page are just all caps screaming and it's basically variations of pretzels and I'm screaming and just A with a million H's afterwards and emotions and like they're unhinged notes. Oh yeah, absolutely. As I would expect for the pretzel scene because yeah, like and this is the first sort of textual confirmation that we get of them acknowledging the sort of feelings feelings that they've 
had cropping up um, because, as we know, like, Hardison's a lot more in touch with his emotions than yeah Parker is. And Parker doesn't, like, Parker couldn't even identify her jealousy in this episode. Yeah, Sophie had to outline it for her. She was like, no, there is something wrong with Ashley. Like, that's why I'm feeling this way, because there's something wrong with Ashley that's making me suspicious. It felt like... It's the strange teeth. It felt like a Destiel AU fic, like, or not even AU, just a Destiel fic. It really did, where, like, you know, one of them's like, no, no, like... It's something, something is wrong with this other person. Like, that's the problem. And, like, quite genuinely, I think that Parker and Hardison, they just, they just click. Like, I don't know if it's just, like, the actor's chemistry or what, because it doesn't feel like it was written intentionally initially, but it just fits so well together. And, like I said before, like, everything feels organic and natural and genuine. And it's just, it's very heartwarming to watch. Like, it feels very wholesome, you know? Whereas, like, the Nate and Sophie kind of like romantic entanglement feels like it's a point of tension. Like it feels like it's a subject that's manipulated by the writers to increase and decrease tension in various scenes. And it's like they manipulate it specifically to make the audience like feel one way or another. Whereas Hardison and Parker, like it's just such a solid undercurrent that it doesn't feel so, I don't know, it doesn't feel so intentional, but in a way that almost makes it more effective. Like, I don't know if that, Makes sense, but yeah, if it's very natural, like they're not, they're not trying to force it. They're not trying to shoehorn it in. It's not a man and a woman looked at each other once, and therefore they must yeah. date. Like, do you know what I would love to see though? I would love to see the next time that they are forced into a like fake dating AU for a con. Like, oh lordy, I would enjoy that quite a lot. I we do have more fake dating uh, Parker Hardison coming up. Ooh. Ooh, I'm excited. I can't remember what episode, but I, I know for a certain that we get more fake dating Parker Hardison coming coming up. Okay, no worries at all. Well, that concluded everything that I wanted to talk about with this episode. I I love this episode. I really enjoy pretzels and Parker and Hardison and the whole jealousy plotline. I think it's very good. So with that in mind, Beth, yeah. how would you rate this episode out of five? I actually gave it a 4.5. I really liked this episode. Like I said, the only thing I didn't really like was the first, like, minute and a half. Yeah. And, like, other than that, like, I thought that the plot was really fun. And, like, the thing and- is, I don't actually mind the code open until she does, like, the dying thing and they've done the weird effect. Yeah. It's like, I also think it's fine. The and acting- then it's like they add in the bad effect and I'm like, oh, that's bad. I was thinking the acting for me was, like, yeah. kind of mediocre. But, like, to be fair, that's not a shade on, like, the actresses or anything. Like- it's just, for some reason, the cold opens of leverage are always subpar compared to the rest of the episode. Yeah. I don't know how they manage it. But, yeah, no, I really enjoyed I really, really enjoyed this episode. I thought the Parker and Hardison stuff was fantastic. I really hated the villain. Like, he made me furious, which made it just so much more satisfying watching him be taken down. Yeah. I really enjoyed... Sophie sort of like confronting Nate and like I am interested to see where they go with his like drinking plotline although to be honest with you I do kind of hope they wrap it up because I'm like at this point like I understand like I appreciate that they are not doing it like very quickly like oh he's just like not addicted anymore like I appreciate that they're making a point of having like a realistic addiction to rehab to relapse like timestamp but and i'm also just like, like hand waving it away yeah but i'm also like for fuck's sake we're like most of you're sick of like, drunk night what about so episode four of this is episode five right yeah. like we're five episodes in so we're a third of the way through the third season and i'm like we're still on this same fucking plot line can we please let it die like 
I'm kind of I'm kind of getting a bit tired of it because I I think we've discussed it to death. I don't think they can do that much more interesting things with it. To be like, they could surprise me, but honestly, I don't think that there is another thing they could do with this character arc that they haven't already done. Like we've already done the whole Nate's drinking is out of control and it's putting the team at risk. That was the whole point of season one. So I'm kind of like I'm a bit done with it. Very fair and valid. Mm. So how does this episode tie into Moroi in your brain? Slash does it tie in tomorrow in your brain? Okay, so I know that you've said that everything ties in tomorrow, and I believe you. No, I've, I have said that some episodes do and some episodes don't. Okay. But that we are getting stuff that will tie in tomorrow. Okay, because my my thought, until you said the thing earlier, because you said earlier that like you think that the lawyer could be like Harry Wilson or whoever that is, mm-hmm. right? I thought that maybe that character, because we get a description of them... I was like, oh, maybe there's someone we'll meet later. Mm -hmm. But the way that you talked about them potentially being this, I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm wrong. So unless Harry Wilson is, like, like, unless they're tied Mm -hmm. tomorrow, because, yeah, I thought, like, oh, we're getting, like, a specific description of this person who offered her the money. She didn't just say, oh, they tried to bribe me or they tried to pay us off. She said... A handsome man came in, said he was a lawyer, like slipped. A lawyer in a nice suit come in and yeah, and like wrote a number on a piece of paper. I was like, we're getting a pretty elaborate description of this event that happened off screen and is ultimately not that important. Like yeah, the the fact that they were try they tried to pay them off is important, but nothing else was. I was like, oh, maybe this is tied tomorrow, but now I'm thinking maybe it's not. So that was really the only thing that stood Mm -hmm. out to me that seemed like unnecessary elaboration. So maybe the lawyer's tied tomorrow, but other than that, you don't think there's anything in the episode that would be tied tomorrow? I mean, not particularly. Like, unless, like, they talked about, um, they had that whole, like, sort of hierarchy of, like, who gets paid how much to, like, be involved with these drug trials and stuff. So I was like, I don't know, maybe he's involved there somehow, but... But also, I will say something, and it's not really a spoiler, but it's something that not for me, help. at least, when I think about this season and I think about how stuff ties into tomorrow, it's probably worth thinking about and tying in how they get to the victims. This week, the victim literally ran into them. Mm. So it's like they are going after Moreau. They are consciously choosing jobs that will get yeah. them closer to Moreau. Whereas this so one... Obviously, there, there's sometimes a little bit of subterfuge about how they... Like, Sometimes they don't give you all the details because they want to do the reveal later yeah. on. But sometimes when they do, like, when they're not necessarily choosing their client, but the client's rather getting... Chosen like by circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's it's obviously less likely to tie in tomorrow because they had less control over yeah. how they found the victim. That's a good point. And to be fair, like, this episode, the, the point of this episode was Parker and Hardison. Like, yeah. ultimately, that was the point. It does feel like... Leverage is funny because because the overarching plot is so subtle and, like, low-key non-existent mm-hmm. for the majority of the show, thus far anyway, It it's hard to describe anything as a filler episode. But, like, I also think, like, this episode was kind of a filler episode. Like, because the point of it was not to progress it's any plot like, except for Parker and Hardison and, like, the bit about Nate. With a show like Leverage, it's, like, everything is simultaneously filler and not filler. a filler episode and also not a filler episode. Yeah. Like, there is no real... It's not clear delineation between what is a filler episode and what is not. Yeah. Like, a show like Supernatural would have. Yeah, exactly. Where you can be like, oh, this is a normal, like, monster of the week. Nothing plot significant happens here. It's a filler episode versus... This is a plot-heavy... Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, lovely. So next episode is called The Studio Job. Ooh. What do you think it's about? Okay, I have an immediate thought. I no. don't know if it is at all accurate, but I do kind of love it. <laughs> okay, I'm imagining a still life class, like yep. art class. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining, like, I'm imagining that somehow they're going to end up having a con where one of the team ends up having to do nude modeling. I okay. kind of want it to be Elliot. Yep. Mm-hmm. I just think that would be really fun. Yeah. Not for like I don't want to see him nude, but mm-hmm. I just think that it would he would be the funniest choice. Yeah. Because I think that Parker just wouldn't give a shit. Hardison is probably never going to get put in that situation because he has to be at the it, computer. It doesn't make sense for his thing. Sophie I don't yeah. think would. I think Sophie would be more likely to be a plant as a student. Yeah. And Nate would just be on. <laughs> Unless, like, I guess he's there so that he can observe everyone. But then he wouldn't really be able to talk. Not that he cares about If, if, they, if they're going to go school. undercover in an art class, mm-hmm. I would argue that Nate would go undercover as a professor. Yes. Sophie and Parker, I would argue, would both go undercover as students. students. Maybe Sophie is a professor. Like, Sophie, yeah. equal, equal opportunity, professor versus student. Yeah, maybe Parker she's would... a professor in a different genre of art mm. who's taking additional courses to expand her, like, horizons. Parker 100% would be going undercover as a student. Hardison, I don't think they'd put undercover. I would love to see Hardison, though, because we... Hardison's Hardison <laughs> Hardison's, um... Like, I, you know that I love when Hardison plays a character, yeah. plays a role. One of the things that I love is that his costumes are always impeccable. I yeah. would love to see what they would put Hardison in as an art student. I just think mm-hmm. that would be very fun. Yes, that's my, my that's, thought. Okay. I mean, it, it could be literally any type of studio. It could be, like, it could be a fucking studio apartment. It could yeah. be a, a sound recording studio, like mm-hmm. a music studio. It could be anything. For me, I my immediate gut reaction was an art studio. So that's kind of what I'm going to roll with. And I just think it would be really funny to see them. Oh, because we know Parker can draw. Yes. That's why I said Parker would 100% be a student. Because Parker is an incredible artist. Yeah. Especially for photorealistic drawings. Mm. Because that's what we've seen her do previously. Like she sketched the Hitman after seeing him for like 30 seconds. I would love, I would love that. I would love to have an art studio episode i would like to see parker draw i think it would be very entertaining because i think if elliot was the model and then she gave the picture to elliot i think he'd Mm. be shocked and flattered and i think that that would be very fun Mm. as an interaction lovely okay perfect well if you want to interact with us at all we are on an incredible number of social media sites we are as the kids say terminally online (laughs) if you want to talk to us at all all of our links will be in the description below and suggested topics of conversation include Parker Hardison, just generally, obviously spoiler free for me, but yeah. I fucking love them. That for a leverage, they're definitely like the OTP pairing for me. Mm. Like, come scream at me about pretzels and the future implications of that one because Beth can't know yet. No, I'm not allowed. But I am very excited to learn about the evolution of the pretzels content. Um. Oh, also, yeah. do you agree with me? Would it be fun if the lawyer was Harry Wilson? Yeah. Do you also wish that they would kind of hurry up with the Nate drinking plotline? Mm. I'm interested. I'm actually interested to know that one because I don't know how it ends up, obviously. Yeah. So I don't know if the like the payoff is really good or they end up doing something more interesting with it. At this point, I'm kind of like, eh, we've been there, done that. 
All right, lovely. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for spending your morning, evening, night, afternoon, day, lunch, brunch, midnight, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., any time of the day that you decided to listen to us. Have a lovely afternoon. Bye.